Hi, I'm Heather, and you're listening to the Holy Hotness Podcast, where we're just striving for holiness even with the world and life being a massive hot mess. I'm really excited that you're here, so let's chat. Okay, guys, I am here. Um, There might be like a lot of reverb, a little echo going on. I'm in my church's coffee shop. We opened up a coffee shop like back in August, and it's this beautiful ministry. And I do a Blessed Is She women's Bible study on Wednesday evenings. And I grabbed all my podcast stuff, and I figured I'm going to record a podcast um, after Bible study. And it's spookily windy outside. I'm looking at the church's school's playground and the Adoration Chapel's right behind me. So I feel like, okay, Jesus is here for this creepy, scary things that I'm going to talk about. (laughs) So if there's a lot of reverb, I'm going to try to edit it out. But if I can't, I apologize. Um, I am not some engineering, audio engineering wizard and just do my best. But Today, um, guys, we're going to talk about the diabolical, (laughs) um, demons, the occult, like really, really scary things. I'm going to try to move my computer back a little bit so that I don't hear the spinning of the hard drive as I'm speaking. We're going to try to make this work. I don't know. It might be a lot of extra noise in here, but... So this is all coming up because last week I did an episode on Halloween and how it's a super Catholic holiday. We should be celebrating it, you know, but there's aspects of, um, this super Catholic holiday that people have tried to make their own and, you know, horror flicks and all these things. And there's definitely a diabolical, when I say diabolical and evil, um, wants nothing but evil aspect, um, to this holiday. And, you know, it's something that's really important to be aware of because in my point of view, and here's Heather, like stepping on my soapbox. Um, so in my point of view, this is not something that's talked about enough in the church, in the churches, in the Catholic church, in the churches, in the church of the whole of the world meaning every Christian in the world, we don't talk about that evil is real and that evil is actively trying to turn you away from Christ. There are active beings, spirits, that are actively trying to get you to turn away from Christ because the the war has been won. Christ has opened the heavenly gates. um, But the battle for each individual soul is still waging. Is that a word? Waging. The battle for the souls are waging. So I think it's really important to talk about these things. And um, before I get much more into it, I want to just stop, say a little prayer of protection. Um, And I'm going to pause a little bit between each line. If you'd like to repeat after me, that would be great. Just trying to get a little bit of extra protection of our souls. Um, because when you start to speak out about these things, then there is a pretty good chance of retaliation. Um, and I'm very aware of it because I'm about to record this, to put this 
out into the masses. <laughs> so uh, devil doesn't want that happening. Whatever my own personal demons, they don't want that happening either. So here we go. St. Michael's uh, prayer of protection. So we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I'm also going to pray for... Um, Angel of God, our guardian steer, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this night be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. I've got like crazy amounts of notes. I'm going to try to make this as cohesive and coherent as we can. Um, but I feel like we can all probably look back on our lives and figure out a time in our lives where we have felt the diabolical... Um, taking hold of our lives. And I listened to a man speak. His name is Jesse Romero. Um, he talks about a lot about demons and demonology and exorcists and things like that. And I'm going to be totally honest. Some of the things he said, I either was like, there's no way that happened. Um, but also that's probably what the demons want me to think is like, there's no way that could happen. Um, but then some of the things I don't ever take something, um, at face value, I always look into it and I seem to see some inconsistencies in his stories. So I kind of like looked up his, um, past speeches and things he had done. And some of these stories were like not as consistent. Um, so, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt. It made me really want to dive into this stuff, which was probably the point of the Holy spirit, but I had an issue with him standing at the front of a church in front of a tabernacle telling us these stories when I could go online and find the exact same story with very significant details changed. Um, so, you know, you can look him up, Jesse Romero. He's been on a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. He's, he's real abrasive, um, real manly man, whatever. But, uh, anyways, so you can kind of look back on your life and see the times where maybe looking back now, you're like, Oh no, that was evil at work, you know? And I think in this world, we look at everything like, oh, well, that was that person has a mental health issue. And that and mental health is 100% a huge issue we struggle with all the time. But I think we put so much issue in the scientific part of mental health. And maybe we are neglecting to admit the very spiritual aspect that a lot of mental health issues have. Um, so this guy, Jesse Romero talked about like the three main ways like a demon's going to kind of latch onto you um, is when he sees sins relating to sexual things, the occult, um, or addictions. And if you've heard my story anywhere, everywhere, I struggled with all three of those. Um, I have struggled with all, the, all three of those. So, you know, I start thinking that I'm like, oh no, I'm a pretty good target. Like <laughs> if somebody's trying to convert a soul over to the dark side, like, and they're looking for somebody who struggled or struggles with those things. Like, why wouldn't, um, they try to latch on you? 
And uh, it's just like Christ is at the door knocking and he's not going to come in because he's a gentleman until you open the door for him. Demons and the devil can't burst through that door because Christ is the king of our souls. But if you accidentally leave the door cracked open, like their sneaky asses are going to slip right in there. Pardon the language. So, okay. So when I was younger, probably about seventh grade, I watched the movie, The Craft, you know, it was about witches or whatever. And I got my first Harry Potter book. And guys, take it or leave it. I think Harry Potter is like a great literary work of our day. But I also am aware of like, it kind of makes us numb to the real evil that it is when we become our own gods. Um, and we try to do magic or all these things. But as an impressionable seventh grader, um, I went to my middle school library and I dove into those things. I checked out books on paganism and witchcraft and Wicca things and how to become a witch and how to do spells and seances and all these things. And I would ride my bike to the back of our neighborhood with this other girl and we would meet in the back of the neighborhood with candles and little things and we'd make an altar and we would try to have seances, try to do magic or whatever it was. And this probably went on for two years. And guys, when I say I don't think my mother had a freaking clue about any of it, guarantee you if she listened to this podcast, she'd be like, say what? Um, And that was a really hard thing for me to confess when I was 26. So we're talking, I was 11. (laughs) It took me 15 years to confess this sin, which means that little tiny crack in the door has been left open for 15 years. Um... So, you know, did a little demon slip in there and just waiting to tempt me with things? Probably. I can actually feel as I talk about these things right now, like anxiety coming on. And I know that it's because there are powers that be that don't want me speaking out about these things. Um, so anyways, I'm very, I've, I feel very uh, cautious when I speak about these things, but I'm also kind of fascinated Because understanding Christianity, you really can't understand the fullness of salvation history until you understand the fall. So I've done a lot of research and uh, this is what I found. Now, here's a disclaimer. I'm not imperfect. I'm not, I don't have an imprimatur. Is that what it's called? Where the bishop like reviews it and makes sure that everything's without error. I'm not infallible. All these things. So if something in here makes you go, wait, what? Go do your own research. Read into it on your own. Don't take what I'm saying as the word of God or anything ridiculous like that. Okay, take what I found and say like, oh, this makes me want to look into this. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Demons, how they were created. Demons, the devil, whatever. Okay, so God makes creation. Okay. And he says, let there be light. And at that moment of creation, or shortly thereafter, whenever God chose, that was me opening my water bottle, sorry. They said, he, he created the world. And so all these angels are good. All these spirits, these pure spirits. And one third of them ends up becoming evil on their own doing. Okay, 
So if you think the number of angels that are good right now, that's also the air kicking on in here. Not sure if you can hear that, but I'll try to edit it out. So the number of angels that there are, there is one guardian angel for every single soul that has ever existed on the earth. Okay. And there's archangels and there's angels that's for each country. And there's, okay, so, so there's bajillions of angels. Well, there's also, that's only two thirds of the pure spirits that were made. So whatever, however you do that math, one third of them fell. So that's still a crap ton of evil spirits. Okay, so you have this hierarchy of the angels. You've got the first triad. It's the angels, the archangels, and principalities. And they concern themselves with the ordering of the universe and specific causes, including welfare of people. So each human being, each church, each country has a guardian angel. Okay, the second triad is the powers, the virtues, and dominions. They are known as the angels of creation because they concern themselves with the ordering of the universe and the plurality of causes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I should have looked that up. Okay. Then you've got thrones, cherubim, and seraphim. They concern themselves with contemplating the glory of God. That is literally their only job is to just sit there and gaze at God. They don't have bodies, but you know what I mean? Sit there and just gaze at the glory of God. Okay. It is the six-winged seraphim who sing the Sanctus, the holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts that we say at Mass, okay? So whenever God chose, he gave these pure spirits, these angels, the beatific vision, which means the, the vision of all of the whole of salvation history, okay? He allows them to have this information. So one of the saints, forget who, maybe St. Ignatius, I don't know. When you enter heaven, he says... You are in the actual face-to-face -face intimate and perfect union with God. And you are intellectually enlightened to everything God wills for us to know about salvation and the history of salvation. This happens to us when we die and it happened to the angels when they were created. Okay. So we are fully united by God, united to God by intimately and perfectly knowing and loving him. Okay. So you intimately and perfectly know God so much that what he wills you to know, you immediately know it, okay? So this is why the saints and angels in heaven can never go against God's will because when they are in perfect step, perfect union with God, they can't go against his will because they're in heaven. They are perfectly united with him. So if you pray to the saints, you're not actually praying to them. You're praying to them to help you. You're communicating with them to help you. And if they do help you, then it's God's will because they can't do anything against God's will because they are perfectly in union with God, which this just goes into like, here's my mind like blowing. This is why purgatory is one of the greatest gifts. God's mercy in purgatory is probably the second greatest gift to this earth other than Christ himself, because we are so imperfect that you can die in relationship with Jesus, but it's an imperfect relationship. And then go to purgatory and be purified of all your selfishness, all your unforgiveness, all your things that are not, that didn't break your relationship with God, but did make you imperfect. Like God's like, you're still welcome in the house, but you still have to wash your feet. You know what I mean? Like you still got to get that dirtiness off of you. Like we're still in a relationship. We're still in communion. I still love you, but I'm going to ask that you just don't come in here unless you're fully clean. Anyways, going to do a, probably going to do a podcast all on purgatory because literally mind blowing. But anyways, okay, 
So the angels are given this beatific vision. Upon being given this beatific vision, the one third of the angels are like, no, not happening. Okay. Why do they say not happening? (laughs) Because these angels who were made greater than the created earth. Okay. They were made greater than humans. These little peasant humans. And then you've got these angels. It's literally like God, the angels, and then like humans are below. These angels are looking at this vision and they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. God, who I have to on my face, even though they don't have faces, just speak, you know, just letting it roll off my tongue. God, who I will worship with all of my being for the rest of eternity is going to become a man that is lower than me and I will have to worship him. And God's like, yeah, bro, that's what's happening. And they're like, oh, whoa. And, and this man is going to come from a woman who is no God at all. She has nothing of God in her other than God's grace. And then when she dies, she's going to be crowned the queen of heaven. And I have to give her glory. And a third of those demons and the, the spirits said non-servium. Probably mispronounced that, which means I will not serve. And God gave them the one chance. They said, I will not serve. He said, bye. Now, what the movies and all these things portray is that these demons were cast out of heaven. And we, I guess, in a way to like comfort ourselves, think, and they were cast to hell. But I read somewhere, again, I think it was in, an Exorcist Explains the Demonic. Um, They were, they're not going to be locked in hell, I don't believe, until Jesus comes again. So that means they are on earth and they are in hell. Okay. And when you think of somebody who is just humiliated by something, and they just want to, even though they're losing, they still just want to take everybody else down with them. Think of it like that. Okay. They've lost the battle, but they're still trying to take down as many souls as they can in the meantime. And God wills some of this, you know, like he, he, there's visions from saints where there's been prophecy about like God wills that they're allowed to just do whatever they want for a hundred year period here and there or whatever. And that stuff is scary. If you think of Adolf Hitler just suffered from some mental anguish or maybe, you know, Mussolini or Saddam Hussein just had a chemical imbalance, then I think, I think we're fooling ourselves a little bit, to be honest. Like, are we fooling ourselves that we think that it is nothing but a chemical imbalance and that there is not things that are pure evil? You know what I mean? So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I went to a wedding last November and it was November, 2020. Um, I would say everybody who knows me knows that I'm Catholic. Um, I wear it like a badge of honor, even when the church betrays me, even when the people in the church are sinful, even whenever I'm a sinful, broken person, I still wear 
the fact that this is the one true church of Christ. This is the body of Christ that he spoke about, the church that he ins in installed. Um, I still very much believe that. Um, and a very close family member um, by relation had my husband and I in their wedding. And I'm going to be honest. I've been in a lot of weddings. I've been married three times myself, not actually married. I've had three wedding ceremonies myself to the same person. <laughs> we had a secret marriage. We had a big public marriage. And then we finally had a Catholic married marriage in 2017, um, Catholic con convalidation ceremony. And I'm a little jaded to like weddings. Like I still get teary eyed and I love them and stuff. But if you invite me to be a bridesmaid, like I hate that I'm about to say this, but I'm probably going to do like the bare minimum. Like tell me what color dress to buy and like I'll show up, you know, I'll order some stuff on Etsy if you really need me to, but um, I'm tired and I have four kids and like kind of my like raging at wedding days uh, has passed. <laughs> so um, I fly all the way to another state. My mom comes and watches my kids. I fly to a whole other state and I get in a car and then I drive like four hours uh, with a family member and we get to this beautiful castle. It's not even a castle. It was just a mansion, but it looked like a castle in, in the mountains. And it was just beautiful. It was fall. It was wonderful. I brought all my camera equipment. I was like, I'm going to ask this photographer if I can like maybe take some pictures too and kind of like learn how to be a wedding photographer. Like this would be great. So I walk in to this venue and it's spooky. There was like a, there was like a murder basement in there. It was really creepy. And I'm walking around and I'm like, you know, this is, this is, I'm kind of getting a vibe in here. And I'm, you know, a lot of these people were like metal heads. They're all in these like metal bands and uh, all tatted up and just like the clothes they were wearing. And I was judging, I was judging. And I'll admit that and that was not cool of me. Um, but you know, I was there to support family and love. So the next thing I know, the officiant is like in the kitchen and she has like purplish or bluish green dreadlocks, piercings and tattoos all over her face and body. Um, she's dressed very mother earthy. And I thought that's a little weird, but also put your judginess aside. Stop being a jerk, you know, like check yourself. Um, and the next thing I know, they start talking about a hand fasting ceremony. Well, I went real googly. I'm like, what is a hand fasting ceremony? Look into it. It's basically where the term tying the knot comes from. You put your hands together. There's a rope. They make kind of like a vow. They tie a knot over your hands. Then they loop the ropes around. They make a vow. They tie the knots over your hand. And uh, it comes from like Celtic page pagans. Now, a lot of things uh, when Christianity moved to the, you know, I Ireland and Celtic area, um, a lot of these things were adapted. But I'm a firm believer that it's all the, your intention sets the mood. You know, like, am I using essential oils just to make my house smell good? Or am I using essential oils to like ward off evil spirits? Big difference, you know? Do I think this crystal is pretty to like, 
because it's like a pretty crystal to put on a ring or am I wearing this crystal because it like the energy gives me wealth or something, you know? So there's very important reasons that we can't dabble in those things. And it really depends on your intention. So this woman who has all the piercings and all the things I find out is a self-professing Wiccan witch. And she's the officiant of the ceremony. And I said, hold up. We can't be having this. This is a pagan wedding ceremony. <laughs> we can't, I can't be here. I just can't be here. So I'm asking the family member. I'm like, I need you to tell me what this is. Um, because I can't be here if this is what this is. And he's like, oh, well, my, you know, our family's pastor did this same ceremony. And I said, okay, but that was done by a Christian pastor. I think now the intent is obviously something very diabolical. So needless to say, day of the wedding, I wake up. I'm trapped here. I can't go anywhere. Day of the wedding, I wake up and I go find the closest Catholic church that I can, which was about 40 minutes away. I'm calling our home parish priest, both of them. I'm calling our priest in New- from New York. I'm calling one of my twins' godfathers who's in seminary. And I'm like, nobody is answering the phone. So nobody's answering the phone. And so I go to this priest and they happen to be having adoration. And I'm basically banging on this priest's door, asking him to hear my confession and then walk me through this. What am I supposed to do? His eventual advice as I sob through this confession, um, was you might be the only Christian witness that these people ever experience in their life. You might be the only Catholic they ever experience in their life. And you also might be the one thing that stands between them and the diabolical. If you're up there, you know, twiddling with your rosary. Cause I was in this wedding. I had to stand up at the front in this wedding. So I went back, um, after the priest gave me literally everything he could find scapulars, rosaries, um, crucifix, holy water everywhere, blessed all of it, gave me a blessing of protection, all these things. I go back. Um, I find out later that the pre- all the priests and people I called to give me advice all said they would have told me to run for the hills. But this one priest who was the one I actually talked to told me, no, you need to stay there and be the Christian witness. Guys, the diabolical attacks that happened during and after that, and I can like feel them because I'm speaking out about these things. That stuff is just like worshiping mother earth and doing whatever. These things are dangerous. And our society tells us that like, it's either fun and games, your Ouija board, your tarot reading, whatever it is, it's all fun and games. It's not a big deal. It's a massive big deal because you're cracking these doors open. You're allowing these demons to literally become obsessed with you because they saw a weakness. Okay. All of these things, all of these things go against the teachings of our church. When I say things like horoscopes, astrology, um, manifestation, and people have an issue because manifestation is like, oh, new age. It's just like, if you want it, speak it and believe it. The danger in that is you are making yourself a God. You are making yourself God. You are saying, if I will something, it will happen. That's not how this works. If you want something, that's great. But if God doesn't will it, it's not going to happen. So you being a boss babe that says, 
if I will, you know, a, what is it? A six figure business, then it's going to happen. No, you are placing yourself in the place of God. And that is dangerous. Okay. We do this all day, every day with ourselves. I'm more important than so-and-so next to me that I want to do the things I want to do. You're placing yourself as God. But in these moments, you are actually through trying to be like the law of attraction or even sorcery. You are saying that on your own human power, you can make anything you want happen. And that is so dangerous. So catechism 2117 says all practices of magic or sorcery by which one attempts to tame occult powers so as to place them at one's service or have super supernatural powers over others, even if this were the sake of restoring their health, are gravely contrary to the virtue of religion. These practices are even more to be condemned when accompanied by the intention of harming someone or when they have recourse to the intervention of demons. All of these things. Sexual sin, the occult, addiction, all of these things allow yourself the intervention of demons. Wearing charms is reprehensible. Spiritism often implies divination or magical practices. The church, for her part, warns the faithful against all of it. Recourses so-called traditional curses do not justify recourse to so-called traditional curses does not justify either the invocation of evil powers or the exploitation of another's credulity. Don't know what that means. Okay. So I asked a few people what, what questions of the occult they had. Um, And one of the biggest ones I got was, can a family member's activity in the occult have any effect on us? Okay. So there's a lot of things I was reading about, about these like generational curses and how like these generational curses were, were viable, I guess, like in the new Testament, because you were carrying on the curses of your family and all these things. Um, And a lot of those I think were curses maybe that God put on you for the sins you did against him. But then, you know, there's commentary that says, well, because of Jesus, you know, we're all adopted into the family of Christ. So these generational curses can't follow us. So I'm not fully convinced that generational curses, like an actual curse is following you. But this is kind of like what I was led to respond. Since individual sins are still sins against the whole body of Christ, that's why we need to confess them and make reparation publicly. Okay. We may think our sins only affect us, but since we are one body in Christ in our baptism, baptism, those family bonds extend throughout the whole of the body of Christ. The sins wound Christ, the God-man, but also the mystical body of Christ on earth, our brothers, brothers and sisters, whether we care to admit it or not. You might think that your sin is private sin, like, oh, I'm only doing this drug and it's only affecting my soul and I'll just go confess it, which is not the way to go about life, by the way, but just on the in case. But because a wound to the body of Christ by sin is also a wound to the body of Christ, the mystical body on earth. So since the family is a model of the Holy Family, a further extension of this modeling of the body of Christ with the father as the head and the mother as the heart, then the proximity of these occult sins bring that demonic proximity so much closer to us. Think about it. If you have a house that is 
Fort Knox guarded with holy water and prayer. And you have a mother who prays the rosary and all these things all the time. The chances of those demons coming close to your family, not happening. Okay. Not happening as easily. But if one of those people in the family, let's say we don't have all these safe holds. We don't have a very faithful religious family. We don't dive into our face. There's not daily prayer. We're not even really going to mass every Sunday. And then your brother in the house is dabbling in the occult. Those demons in their proximity to him are going to find cracks in the foundation in that proximity to you. So the sins we commit since we're bonded by the sacrament of marital and familial covenants, they wound the other people in our biological family just as much, if not more, as they're wounding the mystical body of Christ. If we or our family members are not adequately protected and aware of consciously objecting to opening the doors, even the tiniest bit, to the demonic, into our own souls, which so many of us are not aware of because we act like the devil and demons are just abstract constructs. Like, oh, that's evil. That's bad. There's no, like, we're not being taught in the churches. We're not being taught in our world that, like, there is actually a spirit actively trying to get you to hell. Okay? We're not engaging in the actual spiritual warfare. We're just sitting back, pretending like our enemy doesn't exist. Okay? So... These family occult ties can bring these demons in close proximity to us. And then we're giving them avenues of consent when we allow them dominion over our spirits. And they're going to use things like deception, um, distrust. That's the number one way, the number one goal. And it happened with Adam and Eve. The number one goal of the devil is for you to just for a moment say, God isn't trustworthy. You know, maybe, maybe what he says is true for that person. Maybe he'll bring joy, peace, patience, perseverance, be anxious and nothing, whatever, but it's not true for me. So like God isn't really trustworthy because I've, you know, I've seen X, Y, Z in my life, my life. I dealt with this terrible thing. And because of that, I'm not going to trust God. Okay. He divides us. It's us versus them, not us versus evil. You understand? Like, look around at our world. How much is our world, every bit of news and social media and everything, everything is telling us it's us versus each other instead of us versus evil them. Like, how mind-blowing is that? We are staring this evil in the face, but we're refusing to call it what it is. And if you don't know your enemy and study your enemy, there's no way to defeat your enemy. You know, my husband's in the military and they spend more time studying their enemy than they do preparing to fight the enemy. Because if you don't understand the enemy and the strongholds they have and where they are weak and what the issues are, then you are not going to be able to take them down. You're going in blind. You know, and when I took my concealed carry course, they were stressing, 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 you know, if you're not willing to pull the trigger and you're willing to die for your family, that's great. But once you're dead, who's going to protect them? And when you look at your family, and even if you're just a child, you know, you don't have a husband yet or a spouse or children or whatever, if, if this is your family unit where you're in a home with your mother and father and they are not practicing, you might be the only spiritual guardian protecting the fortress that is your home. 
And I think that's a responsibility we need to take a lot more serious. We are being attacked at every single avenue. We are being attacked that there is no real truth. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. We're being attacked that it's you versus me. Vaccinated versus unvaccinated. BLM versus not BLM. Republicans versus Democrats. Instead of staring evil in the face, calling it what it is and saying, no, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm not going to stand for that. Okay. Protecting our souls and our homes by remaining in the grace of God. And we choose whether or not we're in the grace of God. Like God's freely given it. But when you choose to sin, you're building a wall up and diverting that grace. And then we wonder why life is so hard and so anxious and so worrisome and I don't have any joy. Well, it's because God's pouring out these graces and we're refusing to accept them. If you have ever had any ties with the, anybody in your family, which I guarantee you we all have, the occult, abuse, um, or addiction, sexual sin, you need to run to the confessional. Like don't walk, you need to run. And you probably should get an appointment and spill your entire soul out instead of holding up the confession line, because this is something we don't talk about. And this is something that is at the root cause of the, of all of the crap that's going on in our world. Let's be honest. People who crave power, evil. There is evil at work in their souls. People who crave only money, money and power, which is like the majority of politics. (laughs) Like there's evil at work in these souls. And we need to pray for them because they're probably not praying for themselves. (sighs) Getting all spicy up in here. I'm like all hot and bothered. I took my sweatshirt off. All worked up. What else was I going to say? Because this is where my notes ended and I thought I wrote more notes, but I didn't write more notes. Anyways. So yeah, we need to protect our homes. Maybe I'll do like an episode on like sacramentals and how they're not idol worship and all those things. But all I'm saying is you should probably look into this stuff more because it's very real and it's very much happening and evil is all around us. And it's literally doing everything I can, everything it can to make us distrust God um, and the Holy Spirit that's alive in one another. It's trying to divide us. It's trying to deceive us. Um, And it's quite literally a spiritual war. That's one thing I'm going to say. So the rosary in itself is a very biblical prayer. It's a meditative practice. There's scientific studies that say that when you pray the rosary, and you know it lasts about 15 to 20 minutes, depending on how fast you pray your Hail Marys, that you can actually enter into this like chemical metabolic uh, meditative state, which is so good. You know, nowadays everybody's promoting, you need to meditate at least 20 minutes a day, whatever. It's so good for your soul. You can actually like switch off areas of your brain when you do it. But Catholics already have that. (laughs) Pick up your rosary and pray the rosary. It is called our greatest spiritual weapon because it exactly is that. Every knee on earth, in heaven and in hell, bends Okay, every soul, the name of Jesus. So when you say 53 Hail Marys and you enunciate that word Jesus, you are putting excruciating pain into all these demons and the devil. Because why? Because like I said in the beginning, 
they are having to worship this God-man that they <laughs> refused to and were sent from heaven, but still have to obey the laws of God. They still have to worship him, even though they chose not to worship him in heaven. So they are literally being tortured every moment that we utter the name of Jesus. The Hail Mary is a reiteration that they also have to give glory and honor to this woman who has no God in her in heaven because she is the queen of heaven and on earth. So this is like our greatest spiritual weapon. If you are in any sort of desolation where you are just struggling with the evil that is abundant in this world, you need to be making an effort as much as you can during the day to be reciting a rosary. Put it on a phone, put it on an app. The Hallow app, H-A-L-L-O-W, is amazing. Use that, okay? And then you will be able to find a little bit more clarity and a little bit more peace because when you're doing that, it's like this force field around you that's like, nope, don't touch me because why would those demons want to get close to you if when you're saying this word, they're having to excruciatingly kneel and worship this God-man that they didn't want to worship in the first place. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about today for the sponsor and then a little bit of housekeeping. The sponsor for today is Rachel Rosemary. Um, she's Rachel Cavanaugh. I did a podcast episode with her, but it's going to be a while till it's posted because I got a lot of things that are like time sensitive that I want to talk about. Anyways, Rachel is amazing. She feels like a little sister to me. She's got a brother who's a priest and her sweet family. Anyways, I love them. She has an Etsy shop. And if you look on Etsy, you can find her on Instagram. It's Rachel Rosemary and Rachel is R-A-Y-C-H-E-L. Rachel Rosemary on Instagram. Then through there, you can find her Instagram or her Etsy. And she sells these like adorable watercolor handmade Catholic stickers. She also has like little mask bags. They're not even mask bags. They're little totes, but they say Jesus loves me. She hand um, embroidered them. I had her, she custom made ones that were in all of my four kids colors. And I'm going to give them for... St. Nicholas Day for little mass bags. I'm going to fill them full of things. So each kid has their own bag to take to mass. Um, each of my kids has an assigned color. And so it was perfect. She stitched on Jesus Loves Me. And it's just adorably sweet. Anyway, she's got a great little Catholic business. And um, her and Sam, her husband, are just the best. And if you can go support her, then you're in turn supporting the podcast. Because she paid to be a sponsor. And she's just a glorious human. And I thank her so much for it. So if you're looking for little stocking stuffers or St. Nicholas Day or maybe a little Catholic party to go to or something, go onto her Instagram, Rachel Rosemary, R-A-Y-C-H-E-L, and then uh, hit up her Etsy because her stuff is truly adorable. Okay, next things. If you want to support the podcast, um, the links are all in the show notes. You can support the podcast just like, honestly, two, three, four, five dollars here and there. It goes a really long way. I put out the call a couple weeks ago for everybody to support if they can. And we are fully funded for the podcast um, and the hosting and stuff for the next year. And I'm so, so gracious to everybody that donated. It brought tears to my eyes every single time I checked the PayPal and the Venmo to see the donations that were coming in. Because I literally told God, like, if you want this to happen, then you need to make it happen. And if you do, then I'll trust you and I'll just do it. I'll obey and I'll just do it. I don't, I won't know where I'll find the time or what I'll do, but I'll do it. But I was relying on myself to be like, I can handle this. I can do it. God provided so quickly that I can do nothing else but obey. And it's 
so peace inducing because I don't need to worry about how many followers I have on Instagram or how many downloads each podcast is getting because that doesn't matter. God produced this podcast for the next year. I am just called to be obedient to it. And if one person listens to it and that one person gets something out of it that they're supposed to get out of it, then that's up to God. It's not up to me. And I think that's so much more peace inducing than me trying to like hustle and create some sort of ministry. So to anybody that donated, I, I swear to you, I cried tears when I saw your donations, whether it was $1 or whether it was $150 because somebody donated $150 and I was just blown away and I can't thank you guys enough. Um, if you have any questions or there's something you want me to speak about, you can email me at holyhotmessmom at gmail.com. I got all the linky stuff in the show notes. Um, but great thing is for people to be able to find us um, on the podcast, please give a rating and review to the podcast. And that would be so helpful. Anyways, go say your prayers, go say your rosary, go protect yourself and your family, get a little bit of holy, um, blessed salt, some holy water, protect that house, get a little fortress going. And let me know if there's anything you want me to ask um, or to deep dive into because I love learning and I love trying to say these hard theological things in like a way people can understand. So I'm here for it. Send me an email um, or you can call the phone number. Hold on. Hold on. Remember, we have a phone number. Nobody has nobody has called it yet, but I'm going to keep announcing it. that We have a phone number. We're loading and we're loading. Okay. The phone number that you can call and leave me a voicemail at, ask a question, give me a hilarious story, something ridiculous you want to tell me that happened, um, or even joyous sorrows if you need prayers, whatever it is. The number is 469-629-6323. That's also in the show notes. So I'm going to go produce this and try to get it up on Friday. If it's up on Friday, then I uh, reach my goal. God bless everybody, and I can't wait to chat again. This episode is over, but you can head over to holyhotmess.net and get any of the links or show notes for anything we talked about today. You can also head over to Instagram and find me at Heather Yar. That's Y-A-R-R underscore. So we can chat and be friends. 